You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Blaine Freeman, and Blaine is the owner and founder of 2% Certified Cairn Coffee Roasters, uh, located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Just, I mean, I'll I'll be very uh, frank, this was a a super fun, super enjoyable conversation that I had with Blaine. Um, I've talked about it a few times uh, with past guests, but sometimes you... You just kind of catch your stride pretty early uh, in a conversation, and next thing you know, it's an hour, uh, and we got to start wrapping things up, um, you know, to to respect the guest time, and and that's certainly how today's conversation went. Um, you know, Blaine and I 
get to spend a good amount of time kind of talking about the path that led him to uh, starting Karen Coffee Roasters. Um, you know, the role that the outdoors has kind of played uh, in his entire life, growing up in Pennsylvania, um, you know, bouncing around the United States for work uh, throughout the course of his career, um, you know, how important the outdoors were to, uh, you know, his family, uh, making sure that wherever they uh, landed, that they were able to get out, uh, enjoy nature, and show their kids, um, you know, why the outdoors is so important. Um, you know, it was such a big part of, of Blaine's life growing up and he wanted to make sure that his kids at least had the opportunity to experience that. Um, and, you know, spending a, a good amount of, of time in the Pacific Northwest, um, they got to experience um, a lot of, you know, what, uh, what the Pacific Northwest has to offer with, you know, hiking and camping. And, um, you know, that's, Really, now that he's started Karen Coffee Roasters, um, you know, access to the outdoors, hiking and camping um, has certainly become a, a very um, big point of emphasis for uh, the work that he's doing with giving back to local uh, organizations there in North Carolina to, uh, you know, open up access to, you know, all sorts of, of different places for people. And we kind of talk about it, but with you know hiking camping things like that i mean those are things that there's a very uh low barrier to entry um it can certainly get a lot more people involved a lot more people probably like to hike and just enjoy outdoors and maybe hunt or fish while blaine certainly loves to um do those things the 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 hiking and the ability to access our public lands was something that he really wanted to put his focus on uh, we also get into, you know, what it was like starting uh, a business right in the middle of the pandemic and why he actually decided to start a coffee company. So I'm going to let Blaine explain that much better than I could hear. So episode 95, Blaine Freeman. Uh, before that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, if you have not, for whatever reason, up to this point, downloaded the Stone Glacier app, Head over to iTunes or Google Play. Be sure and download the Stone Glacier app there and stay up to date with really everything that Stone Glacier has going on. They've dropped a bunch of cool films uh, up to this point this year, uh, first part of the year. They dropped a bunch of new uh, technical outerwear, um, some new base layers, uh, a few new packs. Uh, you know, Stone Glacier, um, in my time working with them over the last couple of years, have been uh, just absolutely amazing to work with. Um, you know, the guys over there, if you call and want to order something, the customer service team over there is great. They get you squared away super easy, super quick. And, you know, that's just kind of uh, icing on the cake because all of the gear that I own from Stone Glacier is absolutely bomb-proof. Uh, I've been absolutely uh, amazed at the quality and the toughness. I mean, I, I beat up my stuff pretty good um, and it just keeps going. So head over to stoneglacier.com, check them out, grab yourself a pack, sleep system, uh, as I mentioned, some base layers, uh, some sweet uh, everyday apparel, whatever you're looking for, stoneglacier.com has it for you. Check it out. All right, Mr. Blaine Freeman, how are you today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. How are things with you, Marcus? Uh, pretty well. Uh, we talked a little bit here before we actually started recording, but it is uh, kind of your prototypical rainy, dreary spring day uh, here in Michigan. And you would think that 
with all this rain and moisture that we've gotten over the past, you know, week to 10 days, we'd start to see some green. But as I'm looking out my window here, everything is still pretty brown. Oh, well, we're, we're getting some rain here in the uh, Charlotte area, too. And I can assure you green is on its way. Uh, things are uh, starting to bloom here. And uh, of course, you know, the grass is green, which means it needs cut. So start of a new season, right? Yeah, the uh, the never ending uh, job of trying to stay on top of keeping your grass cut. And if you're, uh, well, like for myself, I live in a subdivision. So everyone uh, in the neighborhood always tries to outdo the other one with keeping their grass, you know, finely manicured and everything like that. And yeah, as soon as, as soon as April hits, you know, mid April here in Michigan, yeah, it becomes a a bit of a chore for the rest of the year. Uh, so it's nice to drive home and see a well-kept lawn. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I understand in, uh, some places we lived around the country, uh, there was uh, quite a bit of competition within the various subdivisions to see who could have the best lawn, even, uh, awards given to different homes. So, oh boy. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I just try to keep it presentable and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, move on from there. Yeah, there you go. Well, Blaine, we've obviously we we've had it. We had a chance to catch up for a bit last week, and then obviously before um, you know we start recording here. But I'm certainly excited today to to get into a bit more detail, um, you know, on your past and you know your journey into the outdoors. Um, obviously, Karen Coffee Roasters, how you got to this point, you know, how conservation uh, kind of ties into everything. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to uh, to get a bit more in depth today. All right, great. I'm looking forward to it, Marcus. Yeah. So let's, uh, I guess in terms of the outdoors, I want to establish a bit of a baseline. Uh, so I, I always really love hearing, you know, how people are introduced to the outdoors, what their journey kind of looked like, um, you know, why, you know, why people love the outdoors. So Blaine, if you can kind of walk me through that process for you, what did your introduction to the outdoors look like? When did you get started? All that good stuff. Well, um, yeah, I, I had the, uh, the, the great uh, fortune or blessing of growing up in Pennsylvania, in uh, South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, and um, uh, my dad was a, a hunter and a fisherman. Um, he grew up on a uh, Depression era farm uh, up in uh, North Central uh, Pennsylvania. And so, uh, you know, being a self-sustaining uh, farm, uh, he, he uh, knows now and uh, uh, you know, obviously did then more about farming animals and the outdoors and, and how the land can give and how you can give back to the land, uh, than, than I think I ever will. Um, and, and he, uh, it was important to him to uh, pass that on to us. And so I remember, um, you know, he, he took my uh, brother and I out as soon as we were, you know, um, uh, old enough, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, not only learn how to shoot, but he would take a squirrel hunting. We had a beagle. We'd go rabbit hunting. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, you know, a, a Pennsylvania tradition, we would uh, we would go deer hunting every year. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, um, very impressionable for me. Uh, and I learned, uh, you know, in those outings, uh, you know, whether sitting still in the in the woods, uh, um, you know, waiting for uh, uh, squirrels uh, or, you know, dad putting us on you know, stand in an area of our old, uh, um, you know, the, the farm that he grew up on, we still own some of that property in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, putting us on stand to, to sit still, uh, and, uh, uh, wait for deer, uh, just, you know, being in the woods, observing, uh, you know, what goes on around you, you know, as the sun comes up, as the day progresses, 
uh, was just fascinating to me uh, to see, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the birds when they would come to, you know, and become active and, you know, move through and in, in, in uh, groups and uh, and whatnot. It was just just fascinating and, and attention uh, grabbing for me. And then, of course, uh, you know, my friends likewise uh, uh, had the same experiences. We spent a lot of time uh, each day you know, during summer break. Uh, from uh, school, uh, just uh, spending all day uh, in the woods, exploring, uh, hiking, and uh, uh, just was uh, uh, very impressionable, kind of anchored me to a love for the outdoors. And of course, as I, you know, um, you know, as I grew older, um, I, I uh, got out of high school, I went into the military, uh, and uh, had the uh, privilege of traveling uh, uh, quite a bit uh, throughout uh, Europe, sometime uh, in uh, Japan, and, uh, you know, experiencing some other uh, uh, opportunities there. Um, but I always, you know, look forward to getting back if I could get some time off to spend time uh, again, you know, with my with my dad and uh, uh, going on, even if it, was, if it was just a couple of days, just going on a deer hunting trip. Uh, of course, you know, uh, um, you know, as we all do, you know, parents uh, get older and their their ability to uh, keep up with those activities gets diminished. But that you know, passion, that uh, desire to be engaged in the outdoors always stuck with me. And I began pursuing more and more opportunities, you know, as I as I uh, uh, matured. And, and uh, my wife and I, uh, we uh, got married in uh, uh, 1991 and um, uh, we've lived uh, all around the country Um We've lived in uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis. Uh, we lived uh, for several years out in the Seattle area. Um, and uh, Seattle is where we, we raised our children. And, and uh, we spent a lot of time with them uh, hiking and camping and fishing and just really enjoying the, uh, uh, the tremendous opportunities that are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, uh, the uh, North Cascades National Park. Uh, Olympic National Park. Um, these are just uh, beautiful areas to explore and spend time in. And uh, so, yeah, that that uh, uh, really pulled us into the uh, hiking and camping and backpacking uh, activities. I still hunt and fish, but I've learned to to enjoy uh, just even just a local hiking day trip uh, just as much. Uh, it's just that time outside and uh, desire to uh you know preserve that and keep that for future generations that's been instilled in me yeah i mean i think you know growing up uh and and i'm gonna be a bit biased and a bit partial but you know being from michigan here um you know two you know michigan and pennsylvania are two of the most um tradition uh rich um states as far as the outdoors um especially in this this part of the country uh that there is and you know when i've, I've had a few guests uh, different guests on uh, from the pencil from the state of pennsylvania and the the upbringing the stories uh you know how they were introduced are all very similar right it's almost um i don't want to necessarily say necessarily say rite of passage but it's it's just something that you're almost born into. Uh, and like you said, having a father who, uh, you know, was a big hunter and fisherman, um, you know, it's, they, and, and imagine at that time, they weren't probably nearly as vocal um, uh, or as, uh, gosh, what's what I'm looking for here? The, the outward uh, expression of, or the outwardly showing 
and demonstrating, you know, their love for the outdoors. It uh, it's a little bit different than the way I guess it's probably conveyed today. Where you know we're trying to have these conversations and explain to them, you know, the importance of, you know, why we give back and everything like that. It's you know back then I feel like it was, um, you know, more through. I guess leading by example, you know, just, you know, as a kid, you're a sponge, right? And you're just soaking up constantly what you see your parents doing and how, especially in the outdoors, how you're seeing them, um, you know, treat the animals, um, you know, treat the land Mm -hmm. that they're on. I mean, those, those are the things that you just uh, learn by watching. And it's certainly interesting to see how, you know, people from this part of the country um, are kind of born into that. And and it's kind of just a, a part of their lifestyle from a very, very early age. Oh yeah, I I, uh, uh, I remember uh, one instance. Uh, this made an impression on me with my with my dad. It was at our our uh, family farm property, um, uh, which is up, actually up near Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Uh, and and uh, um, you know there were a couple of uh, clear you know old old farm plots that are had since you know started to uh, regrow and uh, repopulate with trees and, and whatnot, but some, you know, some beautiful areas, uh, to, to, to sit and watch for deer. And there was a, a, you know, a gorgeous evergreen, evergreen tree, uh, overlooking one of those, uh, meadows. And, and, and one day, um, my dad, uh, caught a guy had, uh, he had trespassed, but that wasn't really what upset my dad so much. He had cut out, uh, huge, you know, bottom boughs, uh, of that, uh, uh, tree, you know, and, and branches and cleared out, uh, you know, this is, this is uh, probably a hundred year old, uh, tree and, uh, had, had, uh, cleared out a side of it so he could, uh, put up his, uh, uh, stand and, uh, watch for deer. And my dad was more upset about that. It was a waste, you know, that, that, that this, this person took from that tree, took from the property, uh, whatnot, and just, and just wasted it. Um, my dad was more upset about that than he was the fact that the guy was trespassing. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it's just very impressionable. Yeah. And I'd imagine that, you know, I'm not sure uh, the age that you were at at that time, but well, I guess, let me ask you, was there at the time, did you, you know, fully understand, you know, why your dad was so upset or, or were you a bit confused? And I, it wasn't until a I, little later on in life when it kind of, it made a lot more sense as to why that, he was that's so right. upset. Come, it, 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 Yes, it comes back to you later in life, and that's what it did for me. I mean, you know, being being a uh, um, well, you know, um, I, I was probably uh, fourteen or so uh, at the time. You know, I, I I would have thought Dad would have been more upset about the the trespassing. Sure, um, but that area of the country, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, just uh, from the different generations, people grew up together. There's a lot of land sharing, and you know, people move about on other people's property. It was just never really a big deal. Um, but yeah, just then that and, and watching my dad and, and the way that he uh, interacted with um, um, uh, the outdoors and, and how he treated it, you know, you know, picking up discarded soda cans, just, you know, spontaneously, you know, while we were out and about fishing, things like that start to make that impression. And, and, and then, you know, uh, as he, you know, tells you that, you know, you, you, you have to, take care of the land because you take from the land, uh, but you also need to get back to it. Um, and, uh, that was his way. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, those are, were very hard lessons learned for him growing up, uh, in, uh, like I said, in a depression era farm, um, you know, trying to eke out a living with uh, multiple siblings and, um, you, you know, uh, in, in a very rural part of the country, 
um, you know, was, was very hard. So, so waste was not something that he was inclined to do. And he absolutely despised, uh, uh, waste. It was, and, and so that came through, uh, in his appreciation for the land and the outdoors as well. Yeah. And during, uh, that time, I mean, you, you were certainly hunting, uh, I'd imagine, um, much more for sustenance than maybe we are nowadays. You know, I, I, I know I certainly, I mean, I love, you know, speaking of deer, I love venison, uh, so many different ways you can cook mm-hmm. it, especially if you're, if you're preparing it right. I mean, that's, uh, I, I just, I absolutely love wild game and yeah, the mm-hmm. last thing that, you know, us as hunters want to do is waste any of that. But in, in that you know, era, um, yeah, people needed, uh, that food to survive, you know, like, like yeah. you said, if you, if you've got multiple siblings in a depression era, I mean, yeah, nothing goes to waste. And, you know, if you can shoot, you know, four or five deer, you know, that's going to get you through the winter into the spring. I mean, it's going to, you know, last you, uh, quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they hunted, uh, for sustenance. Uh, my, my dad tells stories. I don't really remember my grandfather. He, he died when I was very young but would tell me stories about my, uh, my grandfather, he would go out and, and hunt just for, for the enjoyment, you know, a couple of grouse weren't going to feed the family, but that was his way of, uh, yeah. you know, getting out and, uh, um, you know, just spending uh, a couple of hours, uh, out on the property, walking the property. And, um, um, you know, uh, apparently he was a, uh, uh, pretty doggone good shot with a uh, a single shot twenty two and could clean up some squirrels. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it was definitely uh, some sustenance, and then of course that transitions into you know uh, you want to continue doing that. You know, I'm sure you know for my dad it was just part of him. Um, you know, growing up, and then he instilled that in us. Um, you know, I I joke with my wife if. If we were, if I were hunting now for sustenance, we would be starving because uh, <laughs> generally not very successful. Uh, but uh, uh, I do it just because it's a a, a, a part of me, and, and and I enjoy the 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 whole experience uh, of uh, getting out and um, uh, just exploring, spending some time away, and uh, the clarity and focus it can bring to your to your thoughts. Yeah, and I loved what you had said uh, earlier on there about you know you know, kind of watching the world wake up, right? Watching mother nature wake up in the morning. You know, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times. Um, but my favorite part about hunting is like that last, you know, half hour of the day and, and not for the obvious reasons, not just because that's typically the time when, you know, you see a lot more movement with the animals and and things like that, you know, the golden Mm -hmm. hour and all that, but I enjoy it because it seems like everything just goes quiet. It goes still, um, you know, as, you know, being that you're out there hunting, your senses are ultra heightened, um, just because of the moment. But in that moment, you just, you see and experience so much more, um, than you ever would if, you know, you were, you know, just out for a walk at that time of day, right? If you're, you're sitting still and you're watching mother nature, you know, do her thing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Some of the experiences I've had just out whitetail hunting and some of the things that I've seen, um, you know, I, I never would have had uh, a chance to to see or experience those things if I was, you know, just out for a stroll uh, through the woods or if I was, you know, had my phone out and was playing on that while I was in the tree stand or something like that. And it's, uh, yeah, that's easily, you know, my, my favorite part uh, of the day when I'm in the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, you know, I um, uh, have had the privilege of hunting in Ohio for several years now, um, uh, archery hunting. And, uh, uh, you know, we experienced some pretty, pretty cold seasons, uh, 
um, uh, there, you know, uh, and, and just sitting in the, in the stand, you know, it's dark and you're cold. And, uh, and then, you know, the, the light in the sky starts to change. You hear a couple birds start to wake up, squirrel moving around. It is just, I don't know, uh, really, really, um, um, uh, you know, helps, helps you tune in and be sensitive to the things that are going on around you. And, you know, and then as the sun comes up and that, and that light, uh, you know, can come across and, and warm you and you, you think about, um, what, you know, what a difference um uh that makes kind of you know uh maybe maybe a little bit of a primal connection there uh you, you know uh, oh, uh just just the you, you know uh um um uh experiencing that uh and then yeah just seeing the uh the woods come to life and uh animals move about some are you know uh closing down for the day and some are just you know getting active and the change throughout the day of what you see and experience um you know, if you just sit and be, be patient, uh, and it, it's just amazing what, what you can see. I, uh, a few years ago, a, uh, it was at the end of the day. Um, I was sitting still, been patient. I had only seen a couple of deer all day and a, a, a beautiful buck stepped out to the edge of this, uh, uh, cut, uh, cornfield. Uh, you know, it was archery hunting. So he was a little too far away. And I thought, oh man, you know, I'm going to, you know, wait here. It was just, he was just gorgeous. But he just stood there and you could tell he was thinking or, or you know, as much as as much as a deer can, something's not right. <laughs> he turned around and walked back into the woods. You know, you're, you're like, oh, it was it was great. You know, that was a great experience. I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, it was just uh, wonderful to have that experience and to see and know that, you know, an animal doesn't get to that age, that size and, and uh, that uh, um uh, you know, that, that stage of its life and become a, a dominant buck in the area by making stupid decisions. Yeah. By just wandering <laughs> you know, out into every cut cornfield in the, uh, in the County. Yeah. <laughs> At least not during daylight. <laughs> exactly. Just gives you an appreciation, you, you know, for, for that. And, uh, you know, Hey, great. Good. You know, uh, good for him. Uh, climb down from the stand and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in Pennsylvania, you graduate high school. Now, did you go into the military directly after high school? I did. I was uh, uh, sitting in uh, boot camp about uh, 10 days after my high school graduation. Okay. What branch did you serve in? Uh, I was in the Navy. I spent uh, five years in the Navy. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to uh, spend time uh, in Japan uh, as well as uh, on a, a ship. Uh, for a few years, uh, where I uh, was able to travel, um, all really all around, uh, uh, Western Europe, uh, and the Mediterranean. Um, there were great experiences. So I've been through, uh, uh, Egypt and Israel through Italy, France, Germany. Um, all, all of those experiences helped me then, uh, when I got my, uh, you know, moved into a civilian career and still found myself, uh, traveling, uh, not quite as extensively, but, uh, also, yeah. uh, traveling to Europe. So what comes next then? You, 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 you serve your time in the military. What comes next after that? Yeah. So the military time really helped me, you know, understand what it is I uh, wanted to pursue as a, as a, uh, at least as a trade. And uh, I got out, I went, uh, I moved back to uh, Pennsylvania with my parents, uh, went back to school to get an electronics degree. Uh, and then um, that's where I met my uh, uh, wonderful wife. Um, 
I uh, graduated uh, in uh, 1991. I already had a job lined up in Memphis, Tennessee. So my wife and I got married on a Saturday. And that Sunday, we were driving off, uh, you know, with a packed uh, small pickup uh, to our new life in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so not not much of a of a honeymoon. No. Uh, <laughs> um, tried to make that up over the years. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went there. We lived there for about four years. Uh, that's where I developed an interest in uh, uh, bird hunting. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, got my first uh, bird dog, a really uh, you know, wonderful uh, uh, New England bred English setter. Uh, had him trained and spent time with a, uh, a dog trainer who's in the uh, uh, the uh, Bird Dog uh, Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. Uh, down there in the uh, near the Memphis area. Uh, w- wonderful guy. Uh, just was, it was just a fount of knowledge. And, um, it was one of those, you've probably had those experiences where you're like, yeah, there's nothing I can contribute here. I'm just going to listen and learn. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, I had a great time there. Then we moved to, uh, uh, the Indianapolis area and, uh, also, uh, um, you know, did some more bird hunting there as well as out in, uh, Iowa, uh, and, uh, just enjoyed that. And, and, uh, unfortunately my, my, uh, setter, uh, um, uh, died uh, uh, pretty early in in, in life. It's just a, a particular condition, and so then I uh, um, bought uh, um, or bought or acquired a, uh, a German wire haired pointer when we were in uh, Indiana. And uh, I'm sure if anybody's listening out there and they have a German wire hair, they can identify with it being just a tremendous uh, bird dog and all around uh, uh, hunting dog. Uh, but mine was also a miserable house companion. So, uh, <laughs> with not the best choice with, uh, uh, you know, a, a one-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, in, you know, in the house. And so we moved uh, to Seattle, uh, did a lot of, uh, hunting there, um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. And, um, of course I was a little bit younger then. So yeah, getting up uh, in the morning, uh, at uh, three o'clock in the morning and driving across the mountains to go, uh, chucker hunting in uh, Eastern Washington uh, or something like that. And then driving back that evening, I was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed the opportunities to, uh, uh get both, both of my kids out, uh, to experience, uh, that as well. And, uh, yeah, those are, those were some great uh, formative times. I, in 2000, we had the opportunity to move back to the East coast, uh, with my same employer, um, and, uh, um, uh, we, you know, we didn't necessarily want to move back to Pennsylvania. Uh, so, uh, there was an opportunity here in the Charlotte area. So, uh, we took that, brought us back closer to family. Um, there's a lot we miss about, uh, the Pacific Northwest, but, uh, 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 North Carolina, uh, and, uh, uh, Tennessee, uh, the mountains of Georgia and South Carolina, just also a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, and it's, you know, a great experience to get out into the outdoors here as well. Yeah. I think sometimes, um, you know, people sleep on, on that area of the country a little bit when it comes to the outdoors. Um, I mean, I mean, not, you know, people that live there obviously, but you know, North Carolina, um, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, they have some absolute beautiful country and it's, it's certainly much different than it is here, um, kind of in the Midwest and, and the Mm -hmm. East a little bit with Pennsylvania there and where you grew up, but there's, you know, there's great trout fishing, you know, the deer hunting is a little bit different, but you know, there's still great opportunities down there and with the Smokies down there, it's just, I I think it's, uh, you know, oftentimes overlooked when, when people are talking about, you know, great places to, uh, to really experience the outdoors. Oh, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, we, uh, you know, of course, did some research before before moving here, and you know, you know, what can we do? You know, we can get to the beach in four hours. We can get up to the mountains. In a few weeks, we'll be going to one of our favorite parts of the Smoky Mountains. It's on the North Carolina side. It's uh, uh, the Cataloochee Valley, and um, uh, you know, the Park Service has a nice uh, 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 small campground there, uh, and I can go fish for uh, wild trout and sea elk. Uh, you know, that's a great day. Western North Carolina. Yeah, that's outstanding. You know, that and it's wonderful to, to see the, the care that gets put into, you know, keeping that park, uh, maintaining it, preserving it, uh, improving it, making it accessible for people, but also keeping, uh, you know, the wilds uh, clean and free uh, and well managed. And uh, um, yeah, I, I don't remember the, the total miles, but uh, uh, it's a, it's a significant, uh, number, uh, I think in the hundreds of, uh, miles of, uh, free flowing streams with, uh, wild trout. Um, uh, you know, you gotta cut back your expectations. You know, if you were a steelhead fisherman in uh, in Washington or Oregon, it's going to be a little different. They're a bit smaller, but it's just very exciting and, and, uh, you know, great time to get out. And it's, it's similar to the trout fishing we did, uh, up in Pennsylvania, smaller streams, um, you know, uh, the trout are, are much more uh, alert and aware to what's yeah. going on. And so, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great day nonetheless. Yeah. That's how a lot of the trout streams are here, uh, in Michigan. I mean, we've got a few, um, you know, really great fisheries, uh, like in the Asable river. Um, I mean, there's, there's just some, some oh, yeah. world-class water, you know, here in the Midwest for, for trout, but you know, those fish, you know, have seen any and everything, uh, from the end of a fly line and they are, they're tough to catch. And, you know, you certainly, uh, during times of the year, uh, the hex hatch, when you're doing all the night fishing, I mean, you can certainly catch some, uh, some much bigger fish, but you know, some of the, the, the trout streams, you know, local to where, to where I live. I mean, if you catch, you know, if you catch a, you know, a 10 inch Brown, you're like, whew, yeah, like now, now we're talking, now we're getting into them. Right. Yeah. But I think just yep. the, 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 the small stream fishing, uh, one, it makes you a better angler because you've got no room to back, back cast. Everything's pretty much a roll cast. Um, you know, you've got to fit it into these super tight windows. You're probably only going to get one chance at the fish uh, if, you, if you see one rising or if it just, you know, looks like an area. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's uh, yeah. that type of trout fishing is, is always fun and super rewarding no matter what you catch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love to get out. And again, you know, you know, I've learned over the years to... Uh, so if I'm, if I'm on a fishing trip, that's, that's great. That's why, that's why I'm out, but you also have to enjoy everything else about that. Um, you know, about that trip. Uh, um, so, so, uh, um, you know, it gets warm enough here, um, in the early summer that you can wade into a lot of the streams without waders, just a pair of boots on uh, or something. And, uh, uh, I remember, uh, uh, you know, standing in a stream and feeling something on my leg. And I looked down at a, and a crawfish or crayfish, I guess, depending on the part of the country you're from <laughs> was, was up at the top of my boot trying to get up my leg. You know, it's just, it's just little things like that. You're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you moved back to North Carolina, uh, with, as you mentioned, uh, the same employer that you had now, did you, uh, retire from that position and then decide to get into coffee roasting? I, I just decided to, to make a change. Um, so I spent, um, 
uh, 30 years, about 30 years, a little over 29, uh, in that industry, healthcare imaging. I've uh, just a variety of roles in customer service, marketing, sales, even in uh, IT. And uh, I've always had this uh, urge, uh, kind of an entrepreneurial urge, you know, gosh, you know, could I, could I do it? Could I actually have my own business? What would that be like? Um, Stressful. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually a short chapter in a book, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, uh, so I've uh, been noodling these uh, ideas over the years. Well, I could do this. Uh, um, I remember listening to uh, the, the, the previous podcast with the uh, two guys. I think it was Tierra Distilling. Yeah, yep, um, out of uh, yeah, about- Illinois, yep. Yeah, yeah, they had they had uh, talked about becoming uh, consultants within their field of expertise, and I thought about that and then ruled that out because I didn't really want to stay in that industry. I wanted to do something different. Uh, so I've looked at, um, you know, uh, look at, at uh, beer and brewing beer, at wine, uh, at, uh, uh, you know, coffee. These were all, like, things I, I, I liked um, – uh, probably because of my experience in customer service, I like uh, service type uh, industries. I like uh, to, um, to, to solve problems, to, to help arbitrate. Uh, I like to create. And I, and I like uh, when people are happy uh, with um, the end result, uh, whether that's, um, uh, you know, a repair, um, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a financial uh, resolution, uh, or a, uh, you know, a product or something like that. And so, um, that's kind of what drew me to those, those industries. Um, and, uh, as I was doing that, I, I started to get serious about it and said, you know, I just kind of not, really not enjoying what I do anymore. It is no, no real, no real joy in it. No, um, you know, every job has its drawbacks. That's, sure. That's, you know, plainly evident, but, uh, you know, you have to find something that you like about your work. And uh, that was getting harder and harder to do. And I thought, well, you know, my kids are grown. Uh, they're they're um, out, of, out uh, on their own now. And, um, you know, if, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? And, and, you know, what will I be saying, you know, if I live to a, to a much older age? So we just took the chance. We did some, you know, looked at our finances. And is this something we could do? Um, and I uh, settled on uh, coffee. Uh, and uh, there are obviously, I know you've inter- interviewed uh, other uh, uh, coffee roasters within the coffee industry. There are so many different things you could you could do. Uh, so I started exploring roasting. Uh, uh, we uh, we sold our our house, which to downsize, uh, and moved into an apartment uh, while we were uh, building a, a, a smaller house. And that's when COVID hit. And of course, you know we were uh, we were locked down. So. Um, I just spent a lot of time pouring myself into learning about coffee, the industry, roasting in particular. I read books, took online classes, um, you know, read material from, uh, from websites and just practiced. I bought a small roaster, uh, to use in the apartment. <laughs> I remember the, the first time I used it was a complete failure. We had a, we had a, we were on the bottom floor. We had a garage with our apartment. I, I flooded it with smoke. It was pouring up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the outside and people were walking by. I was like, yeah, it's, it's all under control. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> nothing fine. to see here. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> to see here. And, uh, uh, so, so that's how I started learning about it and, and, uh, started working on, uh, you know, a business plan and, 
uh, what would this look like? The other reason I, I, I chose coffee was, well, one, I, I enjoy it. You know, I've been drinking coffee uh, for a lot of years and I've had it prepared uh, several different ways. Some, some quite memorable. Uh, the Navy coffee uh, is uh, memorable, but in a negative way. Uh, <laughs> you know, was, was, that wasn't the best experience. Uh, but um, uh, it was also, it's, it's a very scalable um, business, particularly uh, coffee roasting. So you can really start small uh, and build and reinvest and, and, and grow it uh, organically. And uh, so that's, that's why we settled on that and um, we just made the decision to, to move forward with it. You know, hey, we're in a global pandemic living in an apartment. I might as well leave my job and start a small business because it, it just can't get any more stressful than that. Yeah, timing is uh, everything. Get, yeah, right. <laughs> get it all over with. So we finally, we got everything to the point. We, we, um, my wife worked on a small, uh, farm. She was a ground, uh, a groundskeeper, uh, this, um, uh, so it's a really nice, uh, small, small property, uh, out in this, uh, area where we live. And, uh, they had, uh, built some, um, uh, Airbnb rentals, uh, and they have like an, um, you know, the, their, the experience that, that people have when they go there is, um, it's quiet. Um, you know, it's an outdoor shower. It's, it's, it's just really neat. It's just very, it's very different. Uh, they have about uh, 40 acres, uh, and they, uh, uh, they had, uh, horses at one time. So they have a really nice large horse barn and they had at the same time I had this idea, they had the idea of renovating that horse barn and, and, uh, leasing out some spaces. And so I helped them with the uh, renovation. It was a lot of manual labor. Uh, uh, doing that uh, and getting it ready. Um, and uh, we had our roaster installed and uh, had, you know, worked with it and, and whatnot and started selling our first uh, copy uh, at the uh, end of 2020 and just haven't looked back. We've just been uh, moving forward with it since then. Um, and uh, the, the avenue that we've taken for, for sales, uh, because we, we are on private property, so it's not a... Uh, uh, you know, people can come and visit, but it's just not readily open uh, to the public. Uh, but our public face is uh, um, through uh, farmers markets, um, as well as uh, se selling through wholesale and uh, and online. Uh, so the one thing we love to do is talk face to face with our customers. That's just a great experience. Yeah, and you know, when when you were talking about some of the 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 options uh, or roads to possibly go down with starting with starting your own your own brand your own company um one thing i noticed about all three of those is it's almost like you just said or, or piggybacking off of what you just said all of those uh items whether it was wine or uh beer or coffee like they're all things that are in a you know for the most part a social environment i mean sure you can yeah you drink coffee you know at home in the morning but you know maybe you're with your wife or your kids or, you know, business meetings happen, you know, at a coffee shop or over coffee. Uh, you can drink alone, sure, uh, you know, beer or wine, but it's never as mm -hmm. fun as in a group setting or anything like that. So it's, uh, and then your approach with wanting to, you know, be face to face with your customers. I mean, I think, um, you know, even though you landed on coffee, any of those uh, three choices uh, all kind of lend themselves to that, that very front facing, you know, being able to speak to people. Um, I, I see where the connection lied in all three of those. And then, you know, obviously, 
you know, us getting to, to chat, you know, last week and then today, I mean, I can certainly see that that is absolutely in your personality. That's, that's your, uh, that, that's where, that's your sweet spot. That's your comfort zone. It seems like. Uh, yes, yes, I, I, I would agree. Um, it's, uh, I think I told you last week, I mean, b- uh, by, by nature, uh, I'm an introvert, obviously over the years, you know, you have to learn to flex and, um, you know, come out of your shell a little bit and, 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 uh, talking about coffee with customers, talking about, um, uh, you, you know, the outdoors and experiences and hearing from them, uh, you know, what they like, what they enjoy, uh, in a cup of coffee, how they prepare it. Are they morning coffee drinkers? Do they have a cup in the afternoon? Um, yes, y- yes, you know, yes. it's just, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do I have one at nine o'clock at night? Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> it depends. <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, it, you know, it's just great to share those experiences and, and, uh, uh, you know, find things in common, uh, and, you know, make that connection with them. And, and, and we have uh, customers who we have met face to face or, or maybe we haven't, you know, and they, by word of mouth or referral from a friend, they become online customers. Um, and, and we like to make a personal connection by just a, a brief handwritten note in each package that we ship out. Um, you know, just to say thank you, let them know that we, we you know, we, we uh, really appreciate their support. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, more than just, you know, hey, thanks for buying our coffee. Um, you know, we're really grateful that you chose our coffee. There's a, there are a lot of choices out there. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I know that you said, you know, you're, you're, you're a coffee drinker. There are a lot of options and you know what, uh, try them all out. Um, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge industry with, with so many different options available, uh, with types of coffee and, and roasts and preparation and whatnot. The, the, the idea that somebody would choose ours you know, and spend their money on it is, is just, uh, it, it's humbling and, and we're, and we're very grateful for that. And so we want to, you know, communicate that uh, with our customers that we know that they had, they had a, a decision to make and they chose us. And so we don't want to let them down. We want, want to make sure that we always keep our focus on the quality of the coffee, the quality of our service to our customers. Um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, with, with the hope that they'll come back to us again. Yeah, that's uh, especially as a small business and in an industry where there's, like you just said, a ton of different uh, options. Um, yeah, one way to to certainly differentiate yourself from the others is that that attention to detail. Uh, it's that customer service. It's you know focusing on the things that you can control, the quality of the coffee and, and the customer service. Um, I think I think especially in this day and age, um, it's and everything seems to be done online you know there's not a lot that's done especially um from a consumer standpoint face to face i mean between you know amazon i mean primarily amazon right like everyone whatever they need they can get through amazon and then with the pandemic everyone resorted to you know ordering groceries having them delivered or brought out to their car so there was no interaction so when you order something especially from a small business and then you have that handwritten note like it's it's almost like you know, the, how, how we stay connected in 2021, 2022 now, um, you know, in a time when, you know, the connection with a lot of people was lost or it was, you know, it wasn't really even an option, uh, for, you know, the better part of two years. So I, I absolutely love that approach, um, that you guys are taking there. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I think one thing I've learned over the years, you know, with all the, all my travel and, you know, eating out in restaurants and whatnot, uh, 
one of the things I look for, like when we go out uh, to, to dinner or try a new restaurant, is is the owner there? I mean, I, I like to meet the owner. I like there there are a couple of restaurants we go to here where we we are repeat customers because that the owner will go to every table. He's there. He'll bust tables. Um, uh, and, and, you know, these are, these are crowded, very active, uh, restaurants, but, uh, um, it, it's important if it's important to the owner, if they're willing to meet with customers face to face, then they know that they're going to get feedback directly, uh, on the quality of their, their, their food, uh, their service. Uh, and, uh, uh to me that, that means that, that they care about what they're doing. They care about their customers. And uh, they only want to improve. And so that makes me keep coming back. And I, I think I've just kind of observed that and learned that. And I want to put that into what we're doing. Um, you know, I don't want there to be a time, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if, when our, our business grows, uh, where I'm not interfacing directly with customers. Um, I think, I think uh, you really run a risk of losing what your customers want and, and uh, how you can best serve them. Yeah, no, I, I I could not agree more. So, how did you guys land on the name Karen Coffee Roasters? Oh yeah, so so we wanted to do something uh, that that made that connection to the uh, uh, to the outdoors, um, and uh, um, you know what's something we could we could uh, identify our brand with because we we knew we wanted to support uh, conservation and outdoor activities. Um, but, uh, you know, where could we, where could we land with that? And, and, uh, so I looked at a couple of names and there are already, uh, coffee roasters with, uh, those types of brand names and, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, which, which is great. I mean, that's, that's good for, that's good for conservation. Uh, but, um, when, when we lived in Seattle, we did a lot of hiking there. Uh, we would come across these stacks of rocks, which we learned were, uh, uh, called cairns. Um, and it's a, it's a Scottish Gaelic term as, as, uh, Merriam Webster, uh, defines it just literally means a heap of stones piled up in a memorial or as the landmark. Right. I yeah. think more literally it means stack of rocks, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, we would see those and that's kind of where we got, got introduced, uh, to it. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they're clever. They're obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're man-made. It doesn't matter where you see one. It stands out. It's man-made. Uh, and, uh, they're, you know, used as, uh, you know, backcountry navigation aids and help you ensure that, that you're on the right path. Um, you know, this is also to identify where you are, um, uh, it's kind of, you know, as, as a landmark. And, and we thought that was, uh, uh, you know, a neat name. It's, it's, a you know, single syllable, uh, <laughs> and it also generates questions. So, uh, customers who encounter us for the uh, first time want to know, uh, what that is, you know, are we into the dogs? Are we from Australia? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then we explain it to them and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, cause we interact with a lot of people who also enjoy the outdoors say, Oh yeah, I've seen those. Um, and, um, they, they occur really, uh, I think all around the world. Uh, but, um, um, at least, you know, throughout Europe, uh, uh, some in the uh, middle East and uh, up in the Arctic as well. Um, uh, now, now I do want to uh, uh, maybe interject here. I, I'm not encouraging people to go out and build uh, 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 cairns. You know, uh, we've actually been to locations where it's like, okay, well, now that's kind of an eyesore because yeah. there's you know 35 of them around uh, the the otherwise uh, uh, beautiful waterfall. Uh, but it's it's a uh, 
you know, a kind of a memorable brand name, we thought, tied us to the outdoors. And also, um, you know, because of its uh, meaning as a, as, a, as a landmark, that speaks to what we want to do. Um, you know, we want to make a, a, a landmark something memorable. Um, it's, you know, for us, is, it helps us, uh, you know, know that we're on the right path, if you will. Uh, but then uh, for customers, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a landmark for a quality uh, coffee. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we took that and ran with it. Yeah, no, it's a, <clears throat> the, the approach all the way around. Uh, I think you guys hit the nail on the head on, on all those different avenues. Um, when, you know, something short and easy to remember, uh, I clearly with the average conservationist did not take that approach. And sometimes, uh, I really kick myself for that <laughs> one for having to write it out, uh, as much as I do. But then I get a lot of people who will see the name in passing, uh, look at it quickly. Uh, I've gotten the average conservative. I've gotten uh, conversationalist. Uh, I've gotten just a ton of words that are not <laughs> conservationist uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, so no, kudos to you uh, for coming up with something short, meaningful, and to the point. You guys, uh, you guys definitely got that one right. Good. Well, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, numerous <laughs> years sitting in uh, marketing brainstorming meetings like, oh, man, that's just I just don't think we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so so how did you guys learn about two uh, percent for conservation? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I had uh, uh, been uh, looking around actually online for conservation organizations. Uh, we knew we were going to support, um, you know, so our, our focus on conservation is really around uh, trails and and. Uh, uh, national parks and, and hiking and, uh, um, you know, uh, access uh, for people to get out and, and encourage them to, excuse me, encourage them to get outdoors and spend some time uh, uh, hiking. Um, so, uh, you know, would it be uh, one organization, two organizations? What would it be? Um, and, and we, you know, we felt that, well, you know, there's, there's so much going on. It's such a diverse uh, uh, community and so many opportunities. We should look around and see, um, you know, is there, is there, uh, you know, a, like a, a national organization or something we can do that then also distributes, uh, uh, funds, uh, to these more local or, or state, um, uh, locations. And, and that's, that's how we came across, uh, 2%, uh, you know, I read about it online and, and, uh, had a phone call uh, with Jared and, uh, we talked about it. And of course, we had already met the uh, uh, the uh, uh, certification uh, requirements, and so it was just a natural fit to move into. It also helps us when we're talking with customers. You know, we we put that two uh, percent stamp on all of our coffee bags. Uh, we promote it when we're at farm markets, and and uh, we'll point that out, and customers will will ask, you know, well, what is that? And then we'll explain to them. You know, uh, we give two percent not just financially, but but also uh, of our of our time. Uh, to uh, to help with these uh, these activities, so uh, it also helps keep us uh, focused on doing that, right? Because you can uh, uh, you know you can you can forget about the fact that okay, well you know we're just giving some money to these organizations and you move on. When you have to dedicate some time, well now you have to be very intentional about what you're doing. Where am I going to focus? What am I going to do? How can I best uh, uh, contribute? Uh, you know, in addition to, to uh, contributing financially, uh, what can we do and how can we uh, promote that? So I, I, I'm not going to say that we have that completely figured out. Um, uh, you know, we, we look for uh, volunteer opportunities. I got my um, 
I got certified uh, last year as a hunter safety instructor in North Carolina. Uh, so um, I'm doing that uh, uh, as that opportunity uh, presents itself. Um, and uh, my wife is looking more for uh, opportunities to help with uh, trail maintenance, cleanup, stream cleanup. There are some of the local organizations here do that as well. So I think that that's what uh, really uh, got us uh, uh, convinced that that was the way to go. It's not just the financial commitment. You have to be intentional about how you're giving back and, um, um, you know, where you're spending your time. Yeah. And that's, you, you kind of <clears throat> bring up a good point there of being intentional with your time because it's, it's almost weird to say, but when it comes to, uh, you know, donating money, writing a check now for, for small businesses like ours, uh, obviously, uh, we care about, you know, where we're making those donations. And this isn't a slight at, at larger companies, but it's a little bit easier for them uh, when it's, you know, a large company where, you know, like you or I, it's, you know, you and your wife, you know, in this particular instance, it's me and my wife uh, with with our business. So when we send that money, um, you know, it's, it's we, we put the envelope or we put in the envelope or we meet with, you know, someone from the organization. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, okay, that's done. It's gone. You know, there's, there's, there's not really anything we can do about it. We mm -hmm. can't point to something and say, that's, that's what that money is, it has done. I mean, you, you still feel good about it, but with, you know, being intentional with your time and actually getting your boots on the ground, you know, after, you know, half a day of a river cleanup, you could have a bag of trash and you can kind of point to it and say, this is what I did. This is the impact that, right. that my time made today. And from a personal standpoint, that's that's way more impactful for me. And I think, you know, even for, you know, getting our kids, you know, our youth involved, um, having something kind of physical and finite that they can, you know, reach out and touch or that they can actually see uh, the difference that they've made uh, is critical. And it, it really kind of helps people uh, stay motivated going forward with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of person, I like tangible results, yeah. you know, something I can see and, and, and whatnot. And, and, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, experiences starting to help teach, uh, um, you know, hunter education classes last year, it's great to interact with, uh, the, the students and, and, uh, uh, you know, hear their questions and hear, hear their, their stories and feedback as well. And, you know, and know that uh, it was important to them. They didn't just show up um, to check a box so they could get their, their license. They showed up and, and interacted and, and got something out of it. You know, likewise, like you said, you know, if you go um, uh, part of a, you know, stream cleanup project uh, or if, uh, you know, what we'd like to do is get out and help with some of the trail maintenance. Those are that's tens of thousands of hours of volunteer work that gets done there. Um, and, uh, uh, you have something tangible at the end of the day, you know, that I, it was my efforts. I directly contributed here. This helped and it's beneficial, uh, um, uh, to, you know, to, to, uh, the environment and, uh, help, helps other people get out and enjoy it as well. Yeah. So what are some of the organizations that you guys are actually working with there in North Carolina? Yeah. So, so, uh, obviously as a small business, you know, I, I can't brag about massive, uh, dollars that we've contributed. But, hey, that's, uh, we, that's we, all right. <laughs> and I mean, we are we are average conservationists, right? So we're we're uh... <laughs> welcome to the club. There's plenty of room. <laughs> uh, we we, uh, we we have put our focus uh, for the company. We put our focus on, um, like I think I said earlier, on on hiking. 
uh, and uh, uh, trail stewardship. So uh, a great local organization here in central North and South Carolina, it's called the Carolina Thread Trail. Uh, and they're developing a, you know, a series of interconnected trails all throughout, I like, think across about 15 counties, uh, oh, wow. connecting urban and suburban centers in North Carolina and South Carolina. They have planned a 1600 mile network of interconnected trails. They have about 270 miles completed currently. Um, and it's tremendous work. They do it in partnership with uh, the Catawba Land Conservancy. So it's a land trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, uh, uh, I think, about 17,000 acres currently in the trust. Uh, and they want to grow it to 50,000. So they take, you know, um, uh, old farms or inactive farms. They take uh, donations of land and property. So a lot of the, the thread trail crosses uh, those properties, but also the thread trail uh, crosses uh, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, farmland, you know, private farmland and whatnot, you know, they have uh, right away and, and whatnot. It's a, it's a, it's a huge undertaking, but we're, we're big believers in uh, uh, getting outside. I think, uh, um, you know, not to wax nostalgic, but there's, there's so much <laughs> about our modern culture and society that's inside, uh, you know, tied yeah. to our, our devices, our electronics devices. I mean, I catch myself doing it all the time. Um, and and it's it, it will be great to um, it is great and it will be you know even better to have this uh, uh, very accessible network of trails that you can you can hike on a lot of them you can bike on um, some are paved some are natural surface uh, plus they have uh, uh, all of these uh, uh, blue ways that they're interconnecting so you can kayak or canoe as part of the trail system uh, as well so it's not just you know, building a trail, it's conserving the land, uh, it's making it accessible for people to use, it's conserving the waterways uh, and whatnot. Uh, we just think that that's a, a you know, a, a tremendous example of what, you know, a, the vision of, of one or two people can bring about and, and you know, benefit an entire community. So, so we, we love to, to, to use those trails uh, to, to contribute uh, financially uh, and uh, look for ways to also uh, contribute our time. Um, we also uh, give to uh, the Friends of the Smokies. They they work with the National Park Service to help uh, preserve the the Great Smoky Mountains uh, National Park. Um, and it, it was just a beautiful park. I think it is the most or or one of the, like the top two uh, visited national parks in the country. So it, it does get crowded, but um, they're they have they maintain a lot of backcountry. Uh, you know, campsites and hiking opportunities. I mentioned the fishing uh, earlier. Um, and so just a, just a great work there. Um, and uh, I, just, you know, just to maintain all of those, all of those trails, improve them, you know, because there's, there's deadfall that has to be cleared. There's erosion and, you know, wear and tear on all of those trails. And, and again, just to, to, to keep it available. So, so people can get out uh, and uh, uh, enjoy um, uh, the outdoors, uh, and then, and then lastly, we just started, uh, at the end of last year, uh, the, uh, mountains to sea trail. I can't say that I have a lot of experience with that. We did donate uh, financially. That's another great project. It's a, uh, a trail that connects Western North Carolina, you know, the Western, Western side, you know, the Tennessee border, uh, all the way to the outer banks, Oh wow! um, off the coast. Yeah. So they have a 1200 mile trail planned. Um, they've got about 700 miles completed of footpath. The rest is on roads and, 
and stuff like that, you know, you can still, you can section hike it and, and whatnot. And, and people do, uh, I think some people have done through hikes on it, but uh, again, just, just a, a single trail that connects, um, you know, runs through the entire state and, and gives you an opportunity to, uh, to get out and enjoy it. All of these things, you know, um, require, require money and time. And um, um, if, if people would just contribute it's just a little bit, you, do, you know, nobody's asking anybody uh, to give thousands of dollars. That's great when they do, um, uh, you know, whether that's uh, through a, uh, a trust or, or, you know, private donation or corporate donation, but individuals can do that too. It's just a, it's just a small amount, you know, and, and uh, you know, a bunch of people doing a, a uh, you know, giving a little bit uh, really adds up and it helps support all of those uh, trail crews and all those volunteers uh, who are out doing all of that hard work just to make it accessible and, uh, keep it, uh, keep it, uh, beautiful for us. Yeah. And I love the approach <clears throat> that you guys are taking with, uh, you know, kind of focusing on, uh, you know, uh, more of the hiking trails, accessibility, things like that. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, but it seems like, you know, when you guys were, uh, out in Washington and, you know, your kids were growing up out there and you, you spent a lot of time, uh, hiking uh, and doing those types of things out there that, you know, hiking, um, you know, whether it's even biking or, or canoeing, I mean, those are things that are much more accessible for everyone in the family, as opposed to, you know, going on, you know, certain hunts or, or fishing trips, which could be, you know, a little bit dicey with a young kid. But if you just want to go out and, and, and go for a walk in the woods with, you know, with two young kids or, you know, whatever, that's much more uh, accessible. It's much more easy to do, you know, even if you got to throw a young one in one of those backpack carriers or something like that, you can get out, you can enjoy it. And it seems like, when you focus on uh, trails and accessibility, it's it's something that lends itself to, you know, a, a larger percentage of, of the population that wants to get outdoors. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's 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 truly a, a family activity, and uh, we always uh, uh, smile, my wife and I now, when we're out to just the two two of us, you know, out for a hike or, or whatnot. You know, seeing a young family with uh, small children, you know, and you know, one who's out, you know, the hard charger out exploring out ahead of everybody and uh, all that, you know, just remembering those days, you know, of, of being out with our, our kids when they were when they were small. It's just, it's just a great way for a family to get out and, and enjoy a day or a couple of days. Take advantage of the great uh, campgrounds available in our state parks, the national parks, um, and uh, just just enjoy some time together. Uh, it just creates memories. Um, and uh, helps instill in them uh, a love and appreciation for the outdoors as well. Yeah, we uh, we tried to do that. Uh, gosh, was it last weekend? No, excuse me, two weekends ago. Um, our family, uh, along with like five, four other uh, families who are who we're friends with that have young kids, also, we went on what was supposed to be a, a spring ski trip uh, up to the UP here in Michigan, and. We knew, I mean, our kids are, my kids are, are, are fairly young, especially my son. So we knew the skiing was probably not going to be the primary focus mm. for, for our kids. So we planned ahead. We're like, okay, one day we'll, we'll, we'll try to ski, but likely the second day, um, we're just going to have to, it, it's probably not going to work. We're going to, you know, in the UP there, especially, uh, in Marquette where we were at, there's a ton of, of super accessible, uh, trails and things like that that you can hike and enjoy. So we're like, we'll just plan on doing that one day. So we, uh, yep. we go to this, uh, it's called Presque Isle Park, uh, in, in Marquette there. And it's, uh, you know, it's a long Lake Superior, uh, beautiful area. 
Well, one, when we got up there, there was way more snow left than uh, either my wife or I had anticipated, which wasn't a bad thing, especially for, for skiing. But on Saturday, when we're like, okay, we're going to go for a hike in the morning, uh, we woke up, and this is, you know, second week of March. Uh, we wake up, we get ready, we drive, you know, the 20 minutes to get there, whatever. We get out of the car, and it's like nine degrees, and the wind mm-hmm. off of Lake Superior is just whipping so hard that I like our our son. Um, we well, he he was just like trying to hide his face because it was so cold. Oh. So I think we oh, lasted, man. you know. Uh, like 0.2 miles out and the the 0.2 miles to get back and like t- and like 15 20 minutes later we were back in the car we're like well that didn't exactly take <laughs> right yeah it's a memorable experience but yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was uh it, we tried we tried yeah <laughs> so we yeah we we had similar experiences you know with that of course you know living in uh, Seattle or the Pacific Northwest you know uh, it really does rain. You learn to go out and do things in the rain or, you know, there are long stretches of time where you'll never, never go out and do anything. Right. Um, but, uh, we had gone uh, camping. It was, uh, uh, about the, I think it was a July 4th weekend up in the North Cascades. We're like, Oh yeah, it would be perfect. You know, we were, it was like our second, maybe our third year there. And, uh, so we went up and we were camping and it was, it was kind of chilly and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we had this, uh, one, uh, uh trail we were going to take the kids on. And of course it was closed cause it was still snowed in, <laughs> you know, and you have to, you're like, Oh yeah, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, a little, little better planning and, and, and whatnot, but, but you know, uh, still, even, even with your kids and that experience, you, you know, you're intentional about it. You, you got out and, and you did it and, uh, there'll be something to look forward to the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blaine, before I let you go here, where can people find Karen Coffee Roasters? So we are at um, um, online at cairncoffeeroasters.us. And I would love it to be .com, but uh, early on made that uh, mistake of searching for that domain name and someone else bought it. Uh And I'm I'm refusing to buy it back from them. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Stand your ground. Yeah, it's it's cairncoffeeroasters.us. You can... Uh, learn a little bit about us on the website, uh, 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 learn about our coffee. Uh, you can contact us. I, um, you know, love to, to, to hear from you and, uh, um, um, you know, your feedback, whether you've already purchased our coffee or if you have some questions about it. And, uh, you know, we, we also, um, uh, our regular vendors locally here at the uh, Matthews community farmers market. And, uh, we're, also about to start up at the uh, Waxhaw um, uh, Farmer's Market uh, in the Charlotte area as well and looking for some other opportunities. So uh, we're definitely around and we would love to talk to uh, people who are interested in our products. Awesome. Uh, Social media? Social media. uh, Yes, uh, we're Facebook and Instagram. uh, And uh, um, I I will admit to everybody, this is a a complete weakness of mine. So, so yes, I'm looking for some, uh, for some assistance to to help me out. Uh, You know, uh, I get the media part. It's the social part that I struggle with. Yeah, (laughs) no, uh, I know how that goes. (laughs) So, uh, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram um, and uh, just look for uh, Karen coffee roasters. And uh, you, can, you know, we try to keep uh, people up to date with uh, new products, our locations, or if we're going to be at events and uh, uh, things like that. So uh, we'd love to connect with people there as well. Awesome. 
Well, Blaine, thank you a ton for sitting down and talking with me today. I really enjoyed you know, hearing your story uh, and, and talking about the outdoors and conservation and everything that you guys have going on there. Um, and if you made it through you know, starting a business in the middle of a pandemic, uh, I think you guys are definitely on the right track if you're still around here. So, <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, Marcus. Thanks so much for the opportunity uh, to be on the podcast. And thank you for uh, you know, promoting uh, small businesses and uh, uh, emphasizing uh, conservation. Uh, we, we're, we're really grateful for the opportunity to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And uh, I certainly uh, enjoy these conversations that I get to have with folks and, and hearing everyone's you know, story and what they're passionate about from a business side of things and why conservation fits into all that. Uh, it's, it, it's certainly um, the best part of my day. So, so thank you. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, take care. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, Thank you again to Blaine for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, Please go out and be sure to support the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you can check out all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, you know, positive conservation-driven content that uh, pops up in your feed, so you'll certainly enjoy that. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Be sure to check out theaverageconservationist.com and Catch up on all the podcast episodes that we have over there, as well as pick up some gear and help support conservation in the process. So, as always, until next week, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.